0: Now, before I tell you guys anything else, I have to say, this might be my favorite episode of the podcast we have ever done. The wisdom you're about to hear is absolutely life-changing. Ever since we recorded this episode, I've been dying to share it with you, and I am so glad I finally can. But let's back up a little bit. Today we're talking about prayer. Now, can we be honest for a second? Prayer is hard. It's confusing. We're never sure if we're doing it right. For some of us, it might come a bit more naturally, but for others of us, no way. It feels totally awkward and don't anyone dare ask us to pray out loud in public. If you're anything like me, you might also find yourself asking big questions about prayer. I find myself asking those questions more than ever in moments when I've been praying about something for a really long time and it feels like nothing's changing. I find myself asking, does God even hear me? Is he listening? Is all this praying making any difference at all? And on particularly hard days, Does God even care? Friends, if you've ever asked any of these questions or if prayer ever feels like a struggle for you, or if you're like me and this is an area where you'd love to really grow, I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest. Our guest this week is Crystal Evans Hurst. Crystal is a mom, a writer, a speaker, and an encourager who teaches people to love God, to love others, and to love themselves. She has a new book out called The 28-Day Prayer Journey, and I am telling you what, The wisdom she is about to share in this episode is game-changing. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. But before we dive in, while we're on the topic of prayer, have you heard about my new prayer journal? I just wanted to make sure you had. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. I love this journal because it's a powerful, practical way for us to connect to God in times when our future feels really uncertain. Through guided prayer prompts, The Between Places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It'll help you live today with more contentment, step into the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To order a copy of The Between Places, head to smaywilsonshop.com. That link will also be in our show notes. Okay, now without any further ado, let's hop into my conversation with Crystal. Friends, I'm super excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with Crystal Evans-Hurst. Uh, Crystal, thank you so much for coming on Girls' Night. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. It's great to talk to you. Crystal, I have to tell you, my I was in a small group uh, maybe two years ago for like a whole spring with this really incredible group of women, um, and we went through your book, She's Still There. Oh, great. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know. We really, really did. But yeah, it was so fun to read. It was so good. Um, The discussions that we had were so good. And so, yeah, I've been been meaning to have you on the show for a while. So I'm glad that we're finally doing this.
1: Yes, me too. Me too.
0: So for women who don't know who you are yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself?
1: Sure. Well, um, I am the daughter of a pastor and a sister of a gal Who speaks to and uh, Tony Evans and Priscilla Shire? I'm related to them, so that's always the fun fact when people go, Oh, oh I'm making <laughs> and, connections and, here. Yes, I'm okay. making connection. And then, um, the other thing is, um, I'm a mom and a wife, I've been married for about 20 years. I have five kids, ages 28 to 11. I have been a mom all of my adult life, so that's a big part of it. I'm also a grandmother, although I'm told I don't look like that, so I'll take that. I homeschool, but I am also a speaker and an author, and I'm usually um, on a stage somewhere speaking 20 to 30 times a year. Um, I've written four and a half books. I think I'm working on four. And then there was a half because I authored a book with my dad. But I basically um, believe in encouraging women both in their faith and in practical ways to live for everyday life. And so I do that through my writing, through books, through speaking, but also podcasts, blogging, everything we do on social media. And, And then I also love gathering women together who have expertise in areas that I do not and creating a space where All of the information that we need to live lives in one place. And so I've also got a website with lots of different courses for women to take for the how-to, okay, I love Jesus, but how to do these kids every day or how to be successful in my career and move forward. So that's a
0: little and a lot about all the things that I do. Okay, Crystal, so you're basically a (laughs) superwoman. No, I don't know about that. (laughs) That is such an amazing list. That's incredible. And And I love that you said the thing about how to, you know... I'm, I function so much that way too, where it's like, okay, like I love Jesus and I I have that foundation, but like, what does that mean for like my, you know, for, uh, for years I was asking, what does that mean for my dating life? Like God doesn't say anything specifically about online dating. So how do I apply what he says to this? And like, you know, practical, what does that look like? And, you know, I'm I'm asking those questions about all kinds of different things. And so that's why, I, you know, that's really why my show came about was just, those are the questions I was asking at girls nights in my own friendships. You know, we're talking about like how to like keep your, I don't know, everything from like how to set up your living room to, you know, in a way that it functions well and is cozy and is beautiful and things like that to like how to pray and what that looks like and how to be a good wife and, you know, things like that. So I love that you are, I don't know, think like practically and in steps and things like that too. That's, that's awesome.
1: Yes. Practical. I love practical application of the truths that we study and that we believe to be true, but how do we work that out in our life? And that's what I'd love to be a part of.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so I'm super happy to have you on the show today because today we're talking about something that uh, is incredibly important, but also really nebulous, and that is prayer. And so (laughs) I have some really specific, like, okay, so what does this look like though? Uh, Questions for you today. But so kind of to kick things off, you recently came out with a new book, The 28 Day Prayer Journey. Can you tell us about that? Like, how did, what is the book about and where did, how did that come about for you?
1: Sure. Well, I, um, my sister was actually starring in a movie called War Room. Um, it's a movie about prayer and the same year, the same year, she had also written a book called Fervent. Um, she dedicated it to my grandmother and my grandmother is a, um, uh, you know, was a praying woman. She had a spiral notebook where she would write all of our prayer requests down. And then when you would see her, she would say, so, you know, how's this going? And you would say, oh, it's great. Cause, you know, this this happened and this got answered. And she said, well, you have to tell me because if you don't tell me, I don't know. And so I keep praying for it. <laughs> and I thought in that year, just with all those thoughts swirling in my head about what was happening with the movie, the book, thoughts about my grandmother, I just thought I don't have a problem talking to God. I do have a problem talking to God consistently and showing up consistently to keep those lines of communication open. And so I wanted to work on my routine of praying, my habit of praying, because the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And so I figured if I tell the world I'm going to do it, then I'll do it. So I said, let me go on this 28 day prayer journey and I'll write prayers and put, some, put them on Instagram. And this is back when Instagram was chronological. And so um, I posted six prayers a day and I invited people to pray along with me. I said, hey, every time you open up your feed, you know, I'll have a prayer there, you know, an early morning, mid morning, afternoon evening, uh, late late evening, evening, and then bedtime. And so hopefully that will help you when you scroll and you see these prayers to pray too. And I'll be praying because I've committed to put these prayers up for you every day, <laughs> uh, multiple times a day for 28 days. And so um, after I did that, um, people said, can we do that again? And so <clears throat> sometimes it was a 28 day journey. Sometimes it was a seven, made an ebook out of it. And then eventually I was talking to my publisher one day and they said, you know, we hear you always talking about this prayer journey would you like to make that a book? And I was like, I guess so. But I don't know that there's that much content there. And I went back, grabbed all that stuff from Instagram and there was. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of how it came about. But it wasn't, I wasn't trying to write a book. I was just trying to encourage myself and others simultaneously to pray with more consistency.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. It's so funny how things that we, you know, I think that that we always imagine that big things like books or giant steps in our careers or just any sort of big leap we see someone else taking that it happened like we knew it was going to happen that way. Like we planned it that way, you know? And really, I think that so many of the big things in our lives start by little steps of obedience or, or you know, I'm trying to learn this in my life, so I'm going to take a tiny step out. and, And I just like kind of wanted to stop there for a second, because I think, you know, for anyone who's wanting to really do anything, like grow in any way or, or make anything or build anything. It's like, it all starts with that, with just a blog post, or it all starts with, you know, gathering two girls at your house because you, cause you need that community, you know, it, it all starts with like really little things. And oftentimes we have no idea what those things are going to turn into, but, um, we don't get to find out unless we get started. So I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think often the big things happen because of little small things that we did along the way, not these Hail Marys. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to give ourselves more credit about the small things that we do. We're always building something, maybe not a book, but we're always building character, developing relationship, creating our story. And those things happen with the small things you do and that you do well and do consistently.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so, you know, you kind of you mentioned that you've never like you don't have a hard time talking to God, but you've had a hard time talking to him like consistently. Can you kind of back up and tell us about prayer in your life? Like what, you know, has has prayer really always come easily to you or or, you know, has it been a struggle and and was there kind of a a moment when you realized that prayer was like, I don't know, did you have any sort of prayer turning point? Does that make sense?
1: Yep, it does. I think and in fact I told my dad the other day <clears throat> we were having a discussion and I just thanked him for always listening to me. I was a teenager that needed to process out loud a lot and he was very patient in listening. And I said, you know, that's why I think I don't have a problem believing that God hears me It's because you were always ready to listen. So I don't recall a problem with talking to God. Um, however, I do have very March moments um, in my early 20s when I was really having a tough time in life and was just, well, I'll say I'll back up a little bit. In the sixth grade, I remember having kind of that odd kid in the class feeling. And I had this journal with me. And a lot of those journals at that time were prayers. Um, And I really felt like God was all that I had. And Mm. so I just talked to him all the time. And I wrote down a lot of those prayers. And that came out of, I believe that God hears me and I'm going to take advantage of it. Mm. But, you know, in the, so of course, in my teenage years, you know, there were years where I was busy and living my life and not necessarily slowing down to talk to God the way that I should. My early twenties, though, I was, um, Um, 19, I got pregnant with in college with my first daughter. So that was another circumstance where I just felt like, you know, I needed to be connected. I needed to talk to him. I felt very alone and I needed to communicate with God in a way that was honest and raw because I needed, I needed help. I needed his presence. So I do remember those two times as being times where I was able to touch the heart of God and for him to touch mine. And I, I physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally felt um, near, felt his nearness. And so I've never had a problem doing it, but those are two times where I remember feeling that I, that I was in a sweet spot. And many people have said to me that the, the places where they are experiencing the greatest hardships and darkness is the places where they have gotten to know God in a way that they never would have had it not been for the dark place. And so I've found that to be true in my life, but we don't have to wait for the dark place in order to be connected with God. And that's where the consistency and communication with him comes in. He's always there. We just tend to, you know, hyperventilate during those difficult seasons. And we're like, where are you? And he's like, I've been here. Mm-hmm. So we feel closer to God because we're drawing near. And James 4, 8 says that, you know, draw near to God and he will draw nigh to you. He, he doesn't move. We're the ones that have to draw near and hard times typically do that. But those are two times where I remember, you know, that specifically,
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. You know, before we get into all of my like super, like, okay, how does this this look like questions? Do you, and you just mentioned like one instance, but what does scripture say about prayer? Like both how to do it and kind of what God promises when we do? Yeah.
1: So the Bible, like I said, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing, which, you know, can we actually do that? Pray nonstop every day. So we're really talking there about a principle of prayer, that the lines are always open, that we have this constant ongoing ability to communicate with God all day long, any day about anything, for however much time we're setting aside to talk. Now that said, God did give us guidance in Matthew 6, where the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, okay. So then when we have these components of prayer, that we want to be attentive to, the fact that we do want to acknowledge who God who got is, um, that we do want to be thankful, that we do want to ask for forgiveness, that we do want to ask him to meet our needs, that we do want to make sure that we're all about uh, our request being about his glory. So there's this formula for prayer. But what I've found is that people get married to the formula and they they're like, if I can't do it with the same liturgy, that somebody would do it um, You know, in a church service that's doing a formal prayer, if I can't pray the way I've heard somebody else has been walking with God for 30 years pray, if I don't pray in this exact order, then I'm not praying good. And I think that Jesus wasn't saying, here's how to pray for us to be legalistic. He was saying, like, here's an example. You know, here's an example. Um, when I cook, um, I, my mother was a great cook and taught us all how to cook well, all of her four children. But the way I make my macaroni and cheese has a little bit of something different in it, you know, because I've played with some different recipes over the years. And honestly, sometimes I make the macaroni and cheese out of the box. Sometimes I'm going to go to Whole Foods and get these gourmet cheeses and make everything from scratch. And so there are these different ways I make macaroni and cheese. Now she taught me and she gave me a prescription, but that prescription was never designed to be a limitation. It was designed to be a starting point so that what I need as I need it I can do and the basis of how to make macaroni and cheese I have because she taught me, but it doesn't limit me to all the different styles, ways, flavors, noodle types, cheese types that I can throw in there. And I think we have to look at Matthew six and the prescription for prayer the same way. Just because God said, pray like this did not mean we have to repeat that every single time we open our mouths. It means it gives us a basis for prayer. And so those would be the two examples that I think the scripture gives us that give us a starting point for what to do.
0: I love that. So what is, like, what does God promise about prayer? Like, does he hear us every time? Like, does he, does he promise to answer our prayers? Like what, I'm so glad that it gives us a place to start. And I, and anything that can be compared to mac and cheese is like really great in my book, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, what does God promise? So we show up, we pray and he says he will do what?
1: Well, 1 John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. John 9.31 says, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 1 Peter 3.12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. 1 John 5.15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So God is listening um, and he will answer. He doesn't always answer the way that we want to or the timing in which we would like mm. him to answer, but he is always hearing us. And the Bible says also that God is, a, is like a father. He, he's a good God who desires to give good gifts. To his children, and you know, if you're a parent listening, um, that you want the best for your children. You want to not only give them the best, but you want them to give them what is the best thing that won't harm them in the time that they need it, so that they can live and live well. And so, the reality is, is if we if we believe that God is a father who desires to give good gifts to his children, if my children ask me for something, and it's in my power to give it to them, of course, I would want to do that. But if he's not giving it to us, then there's something he knows that we do not know. And that's what we have to believe. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so if he's a good God, um, even Matthew 7.11 If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, all of these say he hears me and he will give us good gifts. The problem is, we don't always know what's the best thing for us. We think we do, but he's the only one who can see the end from the beginning. Because he is the Alpha and Omega, he knows the beginning from the end. And often, what we ask for, we want now without a view for how that impacts our future, our posterity our connectivity, and what God is developing in us. And that's where when we pray, we just simply have to trust.
0: Oh, uh, guys, I need to tell you, Crystal was not reading those verses. That is like, you weren't, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we all like, just everyone make a mental note, like I'm doing right now, like this is goals (laughs) To, to know, to have scripture written on our heart that like deeply that we can just, Pull it out like that. And that's so, like, that's such a great example of why it's so important for us to, to do that, to spend time in God's word and to meditate on it and to memorize it because there are moments when you need it, you know, when you're like, okay, God, I've been praying for this thing forever and ever and ever and you're not answering me and it feels like you're ignoring me. And like, have I made you mad? Are you like, are you good? You know, we just kind of find ourselves in this spiral, but having those truths written deeply on our hearts, those are the moments when you need to be able to pull them back up to go, no, actually, this is what is true. This is what I feel like, but this is what is true. Right?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's right. Um, I had a friend who um, was very sick and she said to me, um, when she saw me, I think I was doing something online, teaching my kids who were memorizing scripture And she said, oh, keep doing that. She said, because at the time when I was the most sick um, and I didn't have the strength to reach over on my nightstand to pick up my Bible. The verses that were in my heart and in my mind were the ones that I learned when I was a young girl with my mother, the ones that were engraved deeply in my soul. And there's you know, this space that you have when you're a child to learn the scripture. So teach them. But I want to encourage people who are not, you know, who weren't raised in a Christian home or who didn't have that experience or who just didn't have the discipline to memorize scripture. And now you're listening and you're like, yeah, I should have done that. It's never, never too late. I think when life, as we get older, life gets busier. But if you, Craft and create the time, and you dedicate the time, just like anything else that you do that you get to learn or get to know. You can memorize scripture in your life at any at any time, and be intentional about it because a lot of the scriptures that you learn become the basis for your prayers.
0: Mm, that's so good, that's so good. well, so you know, backing up a little bit, you know you were talking about praying really like honestly and vulnerably and and I think that we get trapped sometimes, exactly like you said, feeling like, well, I don't know how to pray like that pastor. I don't, you know, my prayers don't sound that good. Or, um, you know, God is huge and big and holy and the creator of the universe. Like, how could I ever talk to him about this tiny little thing? Or how could I ever be like fully honest with him? Can we, like, are we allowed to talk to God really candidly?
1: I don't know any other way to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I think that that's what keeps people from talking to God is they think it has to be pomp and circumstance and the words have to be crafted. I just talk to him like I would a friend. And maybe, you know, that's something that I've been able to do um, because of my design. I'm just kind of an authentic, honest person. I'm not a person of great pretense. And maybe it never occurred to me that I was supposed to do it any other way. But maybe that's also why I feel very comfortable talking to God is because I'm myself. I don't feel like I have to come in any special way. Now, I do know that a part of the prescription for prayer is being grateful, thanking God, and giving Him praise. And um, I know sometimes I feel like I run out of things to praise Him about I'm being repetitive. And that's where the Bible comes in handy there, too. Because when you don't know what to say, pick up the Psalms. There's lots of things that you can pray um in the Psalms that will give you words for praise if you don't have them, because we're tempted to come to God in prayer with all the things we want, right? And then we're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be grateful first. So let me do that. And then we don't necessarily have all the words for that, but that's where the Psalms comes in um handy, because you can say, you know, oh bless the Lord with me, magnify the Lord together. Um, you know, Psalm 34. So you can you can use the Bible to help you pray, but just pray. Just just talk to God. Abraham and Moses um, were both referred as talking to God like um, they would talk to a friend. And so that has gotten lodged in my mind as a way to do it. But when you read the Psalms, while the Bible never says that David talked to God like uh, a friend, it does say twice, 1 Samuel 13 and Acts 13, 22, that David um, was a man after God's own heart. And when you think about the fact that the majority of the Psalms were written by David, and many of those Psalms were just Plain, honest. Where (laughs) are you? Can you please save me? You've got to be kidding me. You know, I'm I'm afraid. Can you, you know, can you can you help me? Um, but also thank you so much. You've been I mean there there's this gush of emotion where David is like, I'm just here pouring out my heart, trying to live. (laughs) And I think I believe that he was a friend too. So friend means I could just talk to you, and David's example of what conversation with God looks like speaks to great friendship too. So think about how you would talk to a girlfriend. Remember that you're not, you are talking to God. So every now and then make sure that you're um, throwing in some praise because he can do a lot of things your girlfriend cannot. (laughs) But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, once you get to the part where you just need to talk, just talk. Keep it simple.
0: I love everything about that. I'm, I'm with you, Crystal. I don't think it ever occurred to me I feel like when I first met Jesus, like I was in, I was a mess. I was in such messy circumstances that it never occurred to me that like, and and I think that that was of his design because if I could have, if I could have met Jesus and, and like become a Christian in a moment that felt where I felt kind of put together, I think that like that's a struggle for me anyway, remembering that God loves me. Not because I'm put together, but that he loved me when I was the biggest mess ever and that he still loves me today as the biggest mess ever, you know, even though those kind of messy places have, have changed a little bit. But I I mean, I was just a wreck when I met him. And I I just think that that's been so helpful because it it just never occurred to me. Like he just never gave me a chance to impress him, you know? And and so I, I just get to. Talk to him really honestly because it's almost like, who am I, who am I kidding at this point? Um, mm-hmm, but there's so mm-hmm. much intimacy that comes from that, from just talking to him like a friend. And I actually was in the Psalms this morning. And yeah, David, like, I'm just so grateful that those are in there because David is all over the place. And like, in the course of one psalm, it blows my mind how. He'll be like, God, you are holy and worthy and you are the creator of all things. And like, I, tr- and you know, you are mighty to save and you're all these different things. You're so big and you can do anything. But also like, there are these people and they're mad at me and they hate me and they're going to hurt me and I'm scared and I need you to take care of me. And also I'm a really big mess. Like I really, can you please like guide me because I'm, you know, all these things. And also where have you been? Like, I mean, he just is so honest and, and I'm just super grateful for that um, example that we get to follow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what about, what about praying boldly? This is something that I've been learning about for, I don't know, the past like eight years or so is, is what it looks like to pray boldly and specifically and and like without ceasing. And I think that a lot of us are afraid to ask for specific things from God, because one, it feels kind of selfish, like giving God this Christmas list where it's like, who am I to ask God for like anything, you know, but also because I think that when we're asking for something that we really care about, it's scary that it's scary to bring that to God because what if he, like, what if we ask him for something he can't give us? Or what if we ask him for something that he won't give us? And so we're setting ourselves up for disappointment or we're setting God up to disappoint us Or what if we ask for the wrong thing and he gives it to us? And therefore, we like, like, should we just say like, your will be done about everything? What do you think about that's kind of a that's kind of a mess of a question right there. But I want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Sure. Well, I think that, you know, we have to understand that it's our job to ask. It's God's job to answer. And often with my kids, they come to me and I can tell they're, they're afraid to ask me something. They're kind of mousying around it. And, you know, they're like, you know, what? God? I'm like, just, just what are you saying? Just say it. You know, just <laughs> say it. There are some things that God um, will only activate in our lives when we ask for them. Prayer is a part of our engagement with God. And um, while He can certainly give us great things and do great things in our lives, without our input. There are some things that God is only going to do when we're participating with Him in prayer, which means you need to ask for what you want and be specific. How can we experience answered prayers that give God glory if we don't ask? So a part of the glory of God is His people saying, look at what God did in my life. But we're not going to say that um, as often if we're, he's not doing things in response to our requests. You know what I mean? Like the sun comes up every morning and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And I tell him so when I see a beautiful sunrise, I think, God, oh, this is beautiful. But he's going to do that for me, whether I ask for it or not. He's doing it for the whole world out of love and out of his consistent character. But if I ask him for um, a home and I give him my list So, I want it to have this many bedrooms and this many bathrooms. I want it to be this many square feet. And I would love for it to have this kind of stove in the kitchen. And if I'm telling him these things, then when he answers my prayer, then it erupts. It can erupt with the glory of God coming from my mouth because it connected, his answer connected with my request. You understand what I'm saying? It's, 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 we're going to, we were designed for worship and praise and we're going to praise and worship something or somebody. And our ability to connect our worship and our praise with God and his answers means that those answers have to be connected to our requests. So engaging with God in prayer is a part of us engaging and experiencing God's glory because we get to see his specific answers to our prayers, but only if we pray them, which means we have to be bold in coming to God in prayer and not apologize for the desires that we have. God is at work in us and through us um to work things out in us for his glory. He is involved in our sanctification. He is involved in the process of growing us up, and his involvement in that requires our communication so that we can see what he did in response to our connection. The Bible tells us over and over again to be strong and courageous. Um Joshua 1:9. Um to be courageous Psalm 27 um and he will strengthen our heart. But courage Um, also involves us being bold about what we are going to ask for. And Hebrews 4 says we should come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us. Now, is God going to withhold mercy and grace from us if we don't ask? No. However, if we come boldly to the throne of grace, that gives him greater opportunity to dole out on us the mercy and the grace that we need. So I think that you have to understand that if my sons want to play video games, like that's the thing. I, it's not that they can't do it. It's not that I won't ever tell them that they can't. But sometimes them coming to me to ask is the reason why I say yes, because I wasn't thinking about that in that moment. And while God is not limited, like I am, our asking is our participation in him saying yes. And if you want to hear more yeses from God, then come to God and ask boldly for more things.
0: Oh, my gosh. So everyone just rewind three minutes and play that again and again and again. Crystal, that's incredible. I've never thought about it that way. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that perspective. Hey, guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Crystal as much as I am. Isn't she great? I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor today is a company I am totally obsessed with. Our sponsor today is Audible. Now, I have been a huge fan of Audible for years now, but between the pandemic and being pregnant, my love for them has reached a whole new level. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, self-development, memoirs, and my personal favorite, food memoirs. Now, you guys know I'm a terrible cook, but I love reading about other people learning to cook, especially if they're cooking and traveling to new places all at the same time. That is my absolute favorite. And I am so happy to say, that Audible has an incredible selection of food and travel memoirs. And actually, the truth is that Audible has an incredible selection of every kind of book because they have the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made exclusively for its members. Now, while these aren't exactly food memoirs, some of my very favorite books to listen to on Audible are by one of my very favorite authors. It's Shana Nyquist. Her books Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, Bread and Wine, and Present Over Perfect have made an enormous difference in my life, and you can listen to Shauna herself read all of them on Audible. Even though I've read each of those books about a thousand times, I love going back and listening to them as I'm driving, or on a walk, or making dinner, and that's the reason I love Audible so much. You can listen to amazing books on any device, anytime, anywhere, and while you're doing everyday things like cooking, cleaning, driving, working out, I just love it. Plus, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a little bit fatigued from staring at screens so much lately, and so audiobooks are a really great way to give your eyes a much-needed break while still learning and being entertained. And truly, I didn't think I could possibly love Audible more, but that is until they told me that they were going to give all of our Girls Night listeners a 30-day free trial. To get your 30-day free trial, all you have to do is go to audible.com/girlsnight or text Girls Night to 500-500 to get started. Again, that's audible.com slash girlsnight, or you can text girlsnight to 500-500. Audible, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night and for being one of my favorite things. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Crystal. So if I guess if we're asking for something that God doesn't want us to have, he's going to say no, right? Like he's, So we can, we can ask knowing that we have some like guardrails, like your sons. I mean, they're older now, but like when your kids were super little, if they asked you to touch the hot stove, no matter how earnestly they asked you or how, you know, sweetly they looked at you or, you know, like puppy dog eyes or anything, nothing in your heart is going to be moved to let them touch a hot stove because that's bad for them. And like God's the same way, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we... We know that just because our kids ask for it doesn't mean we give them an automatic yes. We answer with a yes if it's going to be good for them, if it's not going to harm them. And we know a lot more than they than they do. And God is the same way. We can't see his nose as he doesn't love me or he's not there or you know, he doesn't have the power to do it. We have to see his nose like we would see the nose of a good parent, which is he knows something I don't know, or there's something that he has that's better for me, or he's at work to do something that's maybe not even about me, but giving me what I want will not be good for the bigger picture. And so if we trust God that he is always working things out for our good, which Romans eight twenty eight says, then we have to trust his, you know, rejoice in his yeses and still continue to trust him in his nose.
0: Mm, that's so good. What about when it comes to specific prayer? Like, I love the house example, and the, and there, are, I, I'm living in in an answered prayer. Like, m- I've prayed prayers over the places that I live, and prayed for different things, and and um, gotten to see God say really beautiful yeses, which is just so cool. But like, I think we we still feel a little squeamish, being like am I allowed to ask for like a gas stove instead of a electric stove or, you know, am I allowed to ask for that fourth bedroom or like at what point am I kind of treating God like a genie in a bottle or like, you know, at what point am I making like kind of a a selfish, really long Christmas list? How do we gauge that? Well, I
1: think that the problem with asking for things only becomes a problem when that's the only point of communication in the relationship. Um, again, our connection with God is relational and prayer is the communication for that relationship. In my relationship with my husband, if I'm only coming to him and saying, Hey, can you stop by the store on your way home? Hey, can you fix this thing on the back of the house? Oh, Hey, can you make sure that the kids do their homework? If I'm saying, Hey, you know, can you, you know, grab this for me or do this for me? It's not that he's unwilling for me to give him requests the problem comes if that's the only part of our communication, because every now and then, if I'm going to have a great relationship with my spouse, I need to say, hey, thank you so much for being so consistent and, you know, praying for us or taking out the trash or picking up the water, um, putting the water in the water bottle, you know, two or three times a week. Thanks for doing that. I really appreciate that. I don't even have to ask you. You just take care of it. That's a part of relationship. There would be no relationship if I never said, hey. I'm so sorry. I know yesterday I was tired and I was irritable and I snapped and you didn't deserve that. I'm sorry. Hmm. Or if I never said to him, "Listen, this is the way I think we should do it. I think we need to put this um, you know, this okay, let's just say we're going to buy a couch. I'm going get, 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 to get this couch, but um this is what I think is the best. I've gone to these three different stores. I've outlined all the details and here's what I think and this is what we should buy." The end versus saying, "Hey, this is what I think, but you know, this is your house too. So, um, what do you think? Are you comfortable on this couch? And I'm willing to yield or surrender or, you know, keep looking if this, what I've chosen is not what you would choose as well. Relationship means, um, and that's where the acronym comes for, comes from in the book, um, that I put together at the 28 day prayer journey is pray, praise and give thanks, repent, ask and yield every now and then in a great relationship beyond asking, which is the A. You should praise the person, give thanks to the person. You should repent or say, I'm sorry. You should yield and say, listen, I've got a way I want to do this, but if you've got another way, I'm here for it. Tell me about it. Include me in the plans. When you include all of the facets of communication, which is what Matthew 6 did when Jesus did that, then you are um, allowing communication to be a part of a relationship, not just a demand for what I want.
0: That is, that makes so much more sense. Like you're asking for the specific thing you're, you want. Um, you're, you're, you're participating and you're giving God a chance to answer, to like show you that he's really specifically answering your prayer with that, you know, gas stove. You know, if that's really important to you, you're asking for it and, and he gets to show up and, and, and really delight you and surprise you and remind you that he hears you specifically and that he's there, um, through answering that prayer. But, but through yielding, you're giving space to say, but also like, I really care what you think as well. And, and I'm also willing to do things. Your like, I want to know, I want your input as well. So here's what I think, but also I really value your input and and I want to hear you weigh in as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's important. Um, God is God and we're not. So we ask for what we want and then we have to say, okay, God, but you know better than me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Crystal, what about, you know, I think a lot of our prayers are like, God, what do you want me to do? You know, like we, we, the future feels so uncertain and so scary and, and we want to do things right. In some ways we want to choose the path of least resistance, or if we're going to choose a path that has a lot of resistance, we want to make sure that it's like resistance with a purpose, I guess. And so when we're trying to make a big decision about, you know, do I, I mean, it starts a long time ago. You know, do I go to this college or this college? Do I t- do this major or this major? Do I take this job or that job? Like, do I move to this side of the country or that? Do I marry this guy or do I say no? Am I ready to have a baby? Like, you know, all these huge questions that we're faced with, we want to do like what God wants us to do. What is the process of of asking those questions look like? And do you feel like he always has a really specific like a really specific answer in mind?
1: Well, I think that, first of all, you know, Adam and Eve were in the garden. God was their father. And he said, do whatever you want. Don't eat from that tree. Okay. And then even in that, he gave them the choice, even not to choose him. So I want you to understand that God delights in you choosing. And some of the things that we pray about, not that we shouldn't pray about them, But we shouldn't stress out about sometimes just deciding. Like if I go to my closet and there's a red dress and a green dress, I'm like, God, okay, which one should I wear today? You know, I'm standing there waiting for heaven to open and, you know, the angels to come down and a light upon my shoulders to tell me, is it the red dress or the green dress today? I mean, even though that's a silly example, we would all say, just choose. And the principle that God does care about is, is this modest? That's what God said about what I wear, and that it's not distracting or that it doesn't take away from what He wants to do in and through my life or misrepresent him or my walk with him. Apart from that, pick. So some of the things that we stress out about, God is like, pick because I actually delight in your uh, choice your choosing, and I created you in my image, and a part of you being in my image, I'm a creative God who gets to make decisions, when God said to Adam and Eve, when he created him, it said, let them rule. So I just want to empower every person who's listening to know that a part of your God likeness is being able to just make some decisions because it's what you like to do. You know, Um, there is wisdom. um, And the Bible says in James that if any man lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely without reproach. So yes, ask God. But I just want to take this weight off that everything has to be this like answer from heaven. Right. But second Corinthians one 20 says for all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen to the glory of God through us. So what does this mean? God is saying yes, unless he's saying no. (laughs) So if he didn't say no, because that whatever you want to wear is not modest. If he didn't say no, because this man that you love dearly, is not a believer. And he says, don't be equally with unbeliever. If he didn't say no, sex outside of marriage is not right. If he didn't say no, you're supposed to be a good steward of your finances and you're not supposed to be a a borrower. You're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower, the head, not the tail. If he didn't say no, the answer is yes. And then you get to pick and you get to choose. Now there is wisdom. And that's where the Bible also tells us in Proverbs that there is great wisdom of getting capital from other people. And that's why you want your parents in your life, your mentors in your life, uh, pastors in your life, teachers and preachers in your life who are giving you wise counsel. But beyond common wisdom, because there's a wisdom that is common to man, beyond God's yeses and his no's, choose. Like, are you 39 and after four kids, you want another one? Have one. After you've talked to your doctor and talked to some other mothers who are, you know, who've had babies late in life, okay, how many, you know, am I ready to have kids? Okay, ask your mom. Ask the lady who's older than you in Bible study because there's common wisdom because Bible the Bible doesn't say when is it time to have kids. What the Bible does say is be fruitful and multiply. What he doesn't say is the when, partially because you get to choose. What if he has put into your heart a desire, like to build a company? That is a desire. Okay, And if you know, common wisdom, that if I pause right now and have a baby, I'm going to have a baby, but if I pause right now and have a baby, that would compete with the desire that God has given me to build this business. So I'm 23 or I'm 27, and I've got some time, I've got a year or two, three, before I have to have a baby, before I start feeling like maybe my biological clock is going to start ticking down on me, then guess what he's given you the ability to do? Choose. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would say that if you are single and you're trying to figure out which guy, you know, which is the guy, well, there are some things that God has already put in place. Is he a believer? Does he love Jesus? You know, common knowledge. This is where wisdom comes in. Does he love his mother? (laughs) Does he, you know, does he take care of his finances? What does his home look like? You know, what are his friends look like? Because you can tell about a person by who they're around. Proverbs speaks to this, but this is common knowledge. None of these say, is this the guy? However... There are lots of things in the word that will tell you if he's not the guy. And then hopefully you have wisdom around you, which the Bible encourages us to have, which would say, oh yeah, this is a good guy. Mm -hmm. But then your heart has to tell you if this is the guy for me. So some of the things, some of the ways God answers our prayers are layered. It's the word, it's wise counsel, but it's also what he's put in us, who he's created us to be. And does this decision stay on the path that God has put me on? But once you look at all of those things, then a lot of these things that we're stressing over God is like, just pick, (laughs) just pick, just pick and live because anything that's going to give me glory, which is what second Corinthians one says, if I haven't said no, then it's a yes. And you get to choose because that's a part of the creative power that I gave you when I made you in my image.
0: I love that so much. One of the biggest decisions, it's not, I mean... I guess, yeah, if you, if you look down the line and everything that happened afterwards, it was, it was huge, but also like, I feel like God was going to like, I don't know. I I I couldn't have messed up God's plan, but one of the biggest decisions where I just was like back and forth and back and forth was was pretty quickly after college. And part of me wanted to, I had just done a long, um, internship in college ministry. And I loved it. I loved it. And I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life, like invest in women and be in college ministry. And I thought I was going to go to seminary and that was my plan. And, you know, that was kind of this one path that I had sort of started walking down. But then at the same time, someone brought to my attention this, you know, year long mission trip that I could do. And, Um, it, I mean, it like lit up my heart in so many ways and it was totally the risky choice. And, and like, I had no idea how I was going to look on a resume or if I was ever going to get a job afterwards. And like, I wasn't going to be making any money. I was going to be losing money. And I mean, there were all these like logistical things and I was so stressed out. Like, what does God want me to do? Does he want me to stay in college ministry and go to seminary and do that? Or does he want me to go on this trip? And the thing is that like either one of those things fit with who he made me to be. And either one of those things would have totally brought him glory. And, and really he let me pick. And in some ways I was kind of mad about that because I like, I want, I mean, I kind of would rather have God give me like a step-by-step plan that I can follow, you know, like foolproof. But I think that part of him, like growing me up was, was saying, you know, yeah, you get to choose this. And, and I mean, I, I ended up taking, uh, going on the trip and so much of what, like, I mean, he's done so many amazing things in my life since, and, you know, that's how I met my husband and so many different things. But I also know that he would have really blessed the other option as well. And like really, truly either one of those things would have brought him glory. Um, and so he really, he let me pick and it's stressful to pick, but it, I mean, relying on counsel and, and, you know, like my own wisdom and my own desire, you know, like, like kind of looking at who he made me to be helped a lot. But yeah, I just feel like making decisions on your own is stressful, but I think it's an important part of us growing up. Like you would, it would be crazy if your kids went to you every day and were like, mom, do I eat cereal for breakfast or do I eat toast? You're like, I don't know. They're both carbs. You should get some protein and some fruit, (laughs) but you can pick, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't care. Um, That's super helpful. Thank you for that, Crystal.
1: And the thing is, we have to trust that if we pick wrong, let's just say wrong, just totally wrong. Um, My dad always says, and I love this saying, um, that God can hit a bullseye with a crooked stick. God causes all things, all means all, to work together for good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, which means that if you make a decision that later in life you think man if i could do this differently again i would do x that means that you believe you can believe that god can still get you to where he wants you to go with the decision that in your opinion was not necessarily the a decision cuz sometimes there's no nothing else to do other than live a little bit and realize that hindsight is 2020 right And we don't have the benefit of hindsight when you are 20 or 25, you you know, and that's why wise counsel is important. But the thing is, when you have that hindsight and you look back and you say, man, if I could do this differently, there are two things to do with that. Number one, you know, make yourself available to somebody that's behind you to teach them the lessons that you learned so that they don't have to learn them the hard way. But the second thing is, is when you look back, look back with gratitude, knowing that God took the decisions that even the ones, even the ones you would do differently, and he still carved out his plans for your life with the decisions that you made. And he can do that. I am writing and speaking, not because I wanted to be. I always thought I'd write maybe when I was 60, when my kids were grown, and I would know who I could use as an illustration, like which kids turned out okay. You know, if I wanted to mention them in a book, right? (laughs) I, I wrote my first book when I was in the first grade. I was in a talented and gifted program and they had us write a book. You know, the writing was on construction paper and the the covers were laminated cardboard. I have that book. My mother gave it to me. I have always been a writer. My plan was not to write a book in my mid to late 30s. That wasn't my plan. I had college to kindergarten happening at home. And my dad said, um, that's why I said four and a half books, because my dad said, hey, I'm writing a book for women. Would you like to join me? And. Um, I said, no, not really, because I'm busy. And he said, really, I'm really going to use your help because I want to have a woman's vantage point in this book. Now, I want you to understand something. I had always thought maybe I'll be a writer one day, but that's not what I was actively choosing. I was actively choosing to be a mom at home with my kids. My husband was traveling a lot and we I had a corporate job in institutional money management, um, CPA, so all of the things. And I said, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stay home with the kids because one of us has to look the kids in the eye. And so that was what I had chosen to do. So when my dad said, hey, do you want to write this book? I was like, not, that's not what I'm doing. This is not where I'm going. I'll do that one day. That's not my plan. While I had been home with my kids, because I am who I am, I'm an Enneagram three. I started a blog and I was teaching myself web design and just some basic graphic stuff and was writing. And so when my dad said, hey, do you want to write? I said, well, I don't have anything. He said, well, don't you have a blog? said, yes. He said, well, let me have my editor look at your blog and see if there's anything there. I was writing to make my days matter because it's difficult when you've been in the corporate world and you're home with kids and you're changing diapers. And when is this ever going to end? And I was looking for the life in my own life and was jotting down what I would want to remember later about my life. And I had no idea that many of those words would be put in that book. Here's the other thing that happened about the timing. My husband Um, a couple years before that had had some health challenges. And over the last 10 years, he's had a lot of health challenges. I did not know that when my dad asked me to write that first book, that that was my entry into being an author, into being a speaker. And that being the livelihood that supports my family today, because my husband isn't able to work, but he knew that. You see what I'm saying? He knew that. And so all along the way, when I was writing yeah. my little blog and talking about we did the letter F today and F is for the fire truck and the fire truck came down our street today and I was taking pictures of my kids and I was talking about how God can take the the little things in your life and put big things in your life for you to connect the dots, even when you were not intending to. That was the lesson. But that was because I was in a season where I was just trying to make jo- little joys and recognize the little joys in my life. I didn't know what he had planned but i was following my heart and saying yes to the thing that i wanted to do and i remember my family being like you're always on the computer you're always and i was like yes but i love it and i was committed to showing up for things that i loved and saying yes to the things that god put in me not knowing that he was going to take the yes of what he put in me and put a whole create a whole another path for me so I want you to know that when you just say yes to the things that are in front of you, even though they are totally disconnected from other things that you think God may be doing in your life, you never know. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has in store for those he loves. What you have to do is show up. Show up to the things he's put in your heart. Show up to the things he's put in your head. Show up to the dreams and the desires that he's given you. Show up to prayer to talk to him about those things, to lay your plans at his feet and trust that even though you may be aiming in one direction, and God may be aiming in another, he can take the things that you had no idea he could use and weave them into the plan.
0: Oh my gosh. Crystal, I am so grateful for you. I, I just feel like you have so many of the things that you've said today are are so needed by all of us. And so I'm just incredibly grateful for, for your wisdom and for your counsel. And I just kind of last but not least, would you pray for us?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for this gift of prayer that we can talk to you about anything at any time. But you know, just for any reason, we can connect um, and communicate with you. I thank you for the fact that you have gone first. You always go first. Um, you, we love you because you first loved us, the word says. And so you went first and you made sure that over thousands of years that the book we call the Bible has everything you want us to know for life, you told us to study ourselves, to show ourselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you have been so great to give us the word of truth. And you're speaking first to us every day uh, when we show up and engage in your word. But then you've invited us to communicate to you as well through prayer, and that you've invited us by example through the Lord Jesus Christ to pray often to make space for that, to make space to talk to God. Because in talking to you, we connect, we're connecting. Our hearts and our minds with you. Uh, We're acknowledging what's really on our um, on our minds and bringing those things to you. And when we do that, then we are inviting you. We're inviting you to talk to us about the very things that are concerning you. So we have the Bible as a layer. Then we have our communication with you as a layer. And you've given us that gift of talking to you at any time. So I just pray that for every girl who's listening to this um, podcast, that you would allow her to engage in prayer, that Holy Spirit, you would continue to draw her near, to prompt her to remember you, even when the days get busy and the mornings are crazy, that she would pause, even if it's just, you know, in little ways to talk to you and to and to make known her desire to be in relationship with you. And then would you meet her? Would you show up in the craziest of ways, the craziest of ways so that she knows that not only is she talking to you, but that you're hearing and that she can experience what it is for you to talk back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. You guys, isn't Crystal amazing? I just love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention is that I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things or quotes or pieces of scripture, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com, and for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about—quotes, scripture, like I said—including all of Crystal's contact info so you guys can follow her, so you can get her new book, and so that y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all, and you've left the sweetest comments— I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And also, it helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today. We'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and I'm so excited about this next one. I'll see you then.